This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. To The Point listeners, we have a treat for you today. Another fire episode coming at you on To The Point. I am the host, Christian, along with my co-host, Mr. Tall Paul Redman. What's up, brother? Uh, hey, Chris. Um, not going to lie, man. Uh, excited about today, but kind of confused. Um, we've already had Travis Ringy on twice now, and I'm just not sure like what else he could possibly share of value or interest for our listeners. So um, I guess I'll just sit back and listen. Um, kind of what I had to do last time he was on the show, but he brought his brother. Good to see him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm here if you have any, if, have any questions. Yeah, easy for you to say. Um, so I wondered if you were actually concerned because he's in here again, if this isn't like a segue into full-time co-host, because I mean, these guys sold the company like sold, they gone a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. But as we found out, uh, it's kind of business as usual. So we're going to talk through a few things. So the purpose of this episode listeners is, uh, how to build a, how to build a healthy bottom line, because you know, that's kind of important when you build a business is who cares about top line if you're not making any money because you are in business to make money. So let's get to it. And I want to do a quick introduction to you. So Travis, thanks again for coming back in my friend. Also with Tyler. Welcome buddy. This hey. is your first time here. Yeah. Like ever, even in the office. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even know if I was going to ever get invited. Well, blame your brother. Yeah. He's the asshole that didn't bring you on board. Like he specifically Double was bringing. like, nope, he out. So who's older? Uh, Tyler. Me. Tyler, and uh, who would win in a fight growing up? Tyler. <laughs> Tyler. Was that pretty consistent, or did it change year to year? No, Tyler was a wrestler, so I never uh. stood a chance. <laughs> okay, got it. That a boy. You're a wrestler. So was I, man. Yeah, was 103. I, I still wake up from those dreams, like, wrestling. It's just like, do you, so, listen, uh, okay, hang on a second. I need to have a little bit of wrestler talk. Um, anybody who's listening that's a wrestler knows what I'm about to say. I still check my weight. <laughs> Every morning I still step on the scale. I know it sounds silly. I just yeah. want to see how much bigger I am. I'm still only like 155 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I was wrestling is 133. So yeah, it took me till like 40 or about 35 to hit that weight. I think somewhere around there. I've, <laughs> I've just been naturally a big guy. I mean, I can't help it. It's just, I'm huge. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're right. Uh, well, listen, thanks guys for coming in. Um, Paul, don't be stealing my questions, dude. I'm done, man. I'm just listening. Okay, good. Because I was going to ask him who's, who would win in a fight, but if I had known that Tyler was a wrestler, done. I already know. Submission. So for those listening for the first time, uh, Tyler and Travis Ringy are from Phoenix, Arizona. They own Pro Skill Services uh, in Phoenix. We'll just say Phoenix. They're actually up in Anthem, which is where I live. So these guys are my neighbors. Um, they're the ones that cause a ruckus in the neighborhood. That's why we get invited. That's so right. Much. You're so close. It's perfect. And because of quarantine, you know, we've had a guest from like all over asking to fly in and come and do the podcast live, which is pretty cool. But I'm like, sounds like a lot of work to come and shoot a podcast when you can just do it virtually. But I'm, I know we'll get to do more of those things. So I'm excited. Listeners, we're in for a treat today, too, because everybody's got to build a bottom line. And what's cool about this podcast, if you've been listening, is we're so transparent. And that is one of your guys' values is transparency. And that's one of our core values at Rhino. So, again, those for listening for the first time, I'm the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a digital marketing company for the trades. And my man, Tall Paul, is our VP of sales until this month is over. And then he's out. That's right. I'm, what, what's my title changing to? Customer service? Not telling you. Oh, okay. He's only out of that role. He's not out of the company. He's actually, he's you know, he did a good job last year. We're gonna give him. We're gonna I, give yeah, him a I'd little say, bump. I'd say that I did. I <laughs> I'm good with. I'm. You can just call me Tall Paul. That's your title. I'm good with that. Did, That's did, what I like. Did he build a healthy bottom line? He certainly did. Did a great <laughs> job of, of applying himself towards that. Yes. Um, but that's okay because we're going to reduce his salary and his compensation to make it a little bit healthier. So no big deal, Paul. We got you. I'm a team player. Anything. <laughs> so let's do this. Well, first off, guys, thanks for coming in. Um, I want to ask a few questions just to let our listeners know a little bit about the Lord of the Ringies. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to learn a bit about the brothers. I totally stole that from you guys, by the way. Yeah. Um, so we already, since Paul already stole my first question on who'd win in the fight, I'm going to go to the next one. Who's better looking? 
Our wives both think that this is not a, a the PC other answer. Is. This is a uh, you know what you feel like. You're like it's me. I'm better looking. I'm better looking than Paul. Travis is better looking. Oh, yeah. did you call Travis a pretty boy when you were growing up? <laughs> no, he was. Uh, he he had a gold chain and a like zip up polo shirts and stuff. He was oh nice. Was like, pretty he, was, gangster. he was gangster before were you can Yeah, <laughs> I, I shot that K Momo. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We Being called pictures. a pretty boy growing up is kind of an insult, right? I, I had Wranglers. He had Jankos. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it this, does. This is coming together quite nicely. Okay, so I don't want to ask you more questions like that. Okay, actually, now is it just you guys? Do you guys have siblings? Just, just us. you two? Yeah. So who's the favorite? Travis. No shit. I, I think our parents did a good job growing up. Uh, they distributed everything equally. Look at this guy. I, I so just good. I don't call every day. <laughs> I call, you know, once a week, maybe once every other week. I think I think they have conversations every other day. Got it. Well but they do live with me kid. in the winters, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that can be good and bad, I guess, depends on how it goes. All right. Live in sitters. Um anyhow, moving on. So uh, I know that I'm my mom's favorite. Uh, so I've got a sister, but my sister would never listen to this or my mother. So I'm the favorite. Um, okay, now we're gonna do we just we're gonna change it up from the last time. These questions aren't on here, so you can look all you want, but you're not gonna see them. Um, we've been doing something a little bit different in 2021 to try and let our listeners know a little bit about our guests and kind of who they are um, before we get into the business side of things too. Because when you're listening, you are gonna l- listen to some. Uh, wisdom and knowledge from the boys on how they um, built their company and maintained a good bottom line and figured out if it wasn't how to, what to do, things to do, tactical takeaways on how to increase the bottom line along with the uh, top line revenue. There's a bunch of stuff that goes into it, but let's learn a little bit more about you guys. I'm going to start with you, uh, Tyler. If you could have dinner with anyone alive or, or not, who would it be? First thing that comes to mind. Uh, Don't be political. I'd probably go with Musk, Elon. Elon Musk. Yeah. Okay. Just, just he thinks th- differently, and I, I like people who think differently. I like that. I'm a fan. That he will be a topic of discussion on an episode uh, upcoming at some point in time. Probably what you guys are thinking <laughs> in regards to HVAC. We have a Tesla out there. My wife mm-hmm. drives it. All right, you dinner with who? You see, you got it off easy because you got to think about it for a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a good selection. I, I would probably put Warren Buffett up there. Um, I like I like investments, and I think he's got a good strategy towards it. So. Okay, cool. Um, I would agree. Those would be two great guys. Um, actually, I'm going to tell you mine right now, today. Um, so, ironically, they were shooting this as Friday the 13th uh, in January, and my father passed away 15 years ago on this day. And so I like to have dinner with my dad. Um, be pretty cool. And um, it's weird because it's been 15 years. It's been a long time, you know. Um, but he was 49. I'm 41. So it's not that far away. So it's like the older I get, the weirder it kind of seems. But I don't really think much about it. It sounds kind of insensitive. It's not. It's just that today's that day I think about it. So uh, hopefully my old man's dude up there and he's uh, listening to the podcast right now. <laughs> um, so last one. You're going to go first one this time. Okay. You coming out of the, out of the, uh, the uh, or coming into the stadium, right? You got the boxing gloves on. You're headed to the ring. What's your theme song? Travis, you're up first. Oh, I'd have to say, uh, Lil Troy, "Wanna Be a Baller." Wanna oh, be a solid baller, shot yes. caller, twentieth blade. <laughs> That's it. That's so it. good. Good one. Ah, boy. Now you got now. Okay, you're up. Tyler, what's up? Uh, well, it's going to be either Friends in Low Places or it'd be Ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> if I can't do it, it can't be done. No, it's 50 Cent. I was going to say, it's going to be a 50 Cent song. <laughs> 50 Cent song. Yeah, I, 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 I had speakers in my Bronco growing up, but <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't pay attention to people's names, and, and 
I just know the song. I know the song. I can sing the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear it? <laughs> I do. Let's no, do no, no, little no, rendition. No. Not today. Just one not clip? This. Next one. The okay, next fair one. Enough, All right. Enough. All right. Well, Follow. let's not. Then we're going to stick with Friends in Low Places because that seems to kind of fit the MO a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into it, gentlemen. Y'all ready? Paul, I would ask you, but I don't care. So we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I have no response. I, you literally just, that stunned me. I have zero response. I'm uh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. I do care, just not at the moment. Um, there you go. All right. So first off, guys, uh, congrats on uh, the end of the year. I know 2020 was a good year. 2020 was a crazy year for M&A, as we've talked about many, many times, uh, mergers and acquisitions. And honestly, it's kind of starting off the same this year um, from the conversations I've been in. I've been on like three private equity calls in like the last two weeks. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting time to be in the trades. Um, and there's just a spotlight on it. And I think that's an absolute blessing. And so I want to keep walking down this path and helping the listeners continue to grow because they might not have been in a position to do it. Um, and now's the time, like start making moves to put yourself in a position if that is your end game. So congrats on uh, the sale of the company. Um, I, uh, I, you guys sold to, uh, can we, can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you want to just talk about that? Let's just talk a little bit about the, um, well, actually let's do this. Um, let the listeners know kind of what led you two guys to actually, you know, wanting to finally pull the trigger and make the sale and like the, you know, the choice of, of the partner that you sold to and things like that. Like, so let's just talk through that for a second. Yeah. I can give a, a little background. So, uh, and talking about a healthy bottom line at the end, end of 2019, we were not, uh, did not have a healthy bottom line and, uh, we're not in a position to, to, uh, sell the company, but, uh, part of our strategic goal in 2020, uh, sale was never on the table for us. But we said, you know, we need to get our bottom line up and we need to make this, you know, more of a lifestyle business and kind of start, you know, delegating some of our responsibilities that we do day to day and enjoying life a little bit more. And so we did that actually surprisingly well. COVID hit, um, had to kind of re-strategize our marketing and stuff uh, to go back to our clientele that already trusted us. We were finding it was harder and harder to get into new customers' homes versus people that already knew that we had followed protocols. So right. we did that and uh, we, we did some pricing um, exercises, found out that we were providing far more value than we were uh, charging for and kind of running ourselves into the ground with that. So um, come, come June timeframe, uh, we got an invite to uh, go to Las Vegas uh, by our boy Ishmael and uh, Ara and Vahe, the founders of Service Titan, were there. And uh, a, a guy by the name of Brian Cohen was there. And you know Brian. Yep. And so we, we're going and, you know, all having lunch, eating good. Um, and Tyler sat next to uh, Brian at lunch. And, and, you know, Brian's a hustler. Mm -hmm. Like, he's going to get all the information he can out of you. And, uh, you know, he was talking to Tyler about, you know, valuations and Tyler and I were not interested, you know, we're younger guys, we're 33 and 34. And we said, Hey, this is going to be, you know, lifelong. And Brian kind of opened our eyes to a variety of things, including, Hey, you, you can still run the company and pull some chips off the table. And yep. so he started talking about multiples and that sort of thing. And then we go uh, left there, go to dinner. And Tyler said, Hey, you know what, you know more about the, the financials. I I'd started to get more uh, acclimated to reading the financial statements. And, and he said, you know more about the financials. Why don't you sit next to him and kind of give him some of the information he wants? And so I did. And, you know, Brian started the conversation of, Hey, you know, you guys interested, interested in selling and that sort of thing. And it was a, it was a no. Um, but Wait, uh, Brian didn't say that. The, um, <laughs> as we went through dinner, he's like, Hey, you know, I did a lot of research on the company and I, I think it's got more value than, than you guys are, are giving it credit for, you know, maybe you guys should just, let me, let us do a valuation on it, share your numbers. And so, uh, you know, by the end of the conversation and by the end of the weekend, Tyler said, Hey, you know what, maybe we should do that and just entertain it. And, uh, it doesn't hurt, right? Doesn't hurt. Nope. And, uh, so we, uh, we go to Idaho every, every August, uh, into July, beginning of August before the kids go back to school. And we got back and submitted all of our stuff to them. And then, you know, they said, Hey, yeah, this, business is very valuable. You know, what's your bottom, you know, what, what do you need to make this worthwhile? And I, we gave them a number and they said, all right, well, what if we said that, uh, we'll get you that after what our fee that we charge. And I said, Oh, well, that's great. And, you know, come go through the process. And they said, Hey, there's going to be a lot of action on this. 
you know, it's in a, it's in a good market. And uh, we were not prepared by how fast the process went and the amount of action that there was. I, I, they got close to 100 non-disclosure agreements signed, uh, wow. several, a few dozen um, uh, letter, no. Uh, well, and and, and no. To, to add to that, they prefaced any offer that it needed to go to a certain multiple level. So a good broker is going to, you know, set the expectation so you're not sitting down with a bunch of people who – Want to give you three times. Yeah. 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 Right. So they were filtering the process down based on multiples too. Yeah. They said uh, indication of interest is the the term I was looking for. So they they got a a few dozen indications of interest with that preface of we're expecting a minimum multiple of this on this company. And uh, they ended up scheduling, I believe, 12 on-site management meetings that all lasted, you know, between two and five hours, you know, several dinners for two weeks. I think I gained about 70 pounds. (laughs) Um, This is just the advising firm? Uh, well, this is, yeah, yeah. So our, our broker just did a yep. phenomenal job and got all this action. So it literally went from submitting stuff and, and doing that to on November. So we did two weeks of uh, management meetings, signed a letter of intent at the end of those two weeks. And that was on uh, no- November 11th. Mm-hmm. And on December 7th, we closed. So we had a, you know, j- just under 30 day close. Due diligence. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, which was part of our strategy. We wanted to be taxed in this, you know, 2020s tax year. Yeah. We didn't want any, any risk rolling over to the next year. So, I get it. Um, yeah. And, and one of the cool things is, is that uh, we learned a lot about our company through the process. I think that was an added benefit, but, you know, we got to partner with, you know, arguably the company we most respected in the industry. And I think we were just giddy when we saw their letterhead come across with an offer. And we're like, these guys out of everyone is, you know, someone that we have the opportunity that we, you know, we've, we've emulated things they do. And the, the, the company is, is service champions and Leland Smith, you know, is the, I'd say the brainchild behind it. Frank DeMarco is his COO, but just processes that we really respect. We respect uh, their their dedication to customer service and uh, how thorough they are on everything. And, and we emulated a lot of those things. So uh, we are their first uh, purchase outside of California. Yeah. Um, and, and so that it's, it's you know, nothing, you know, we'll get into it, but nothing's really changed. You know, they, they let us run our company. They trust us to run our company. Um, and we'll, we'll, you know, implement more and more with them and learn more and more from them. But we're really excited to be able to team up with them and, and really take, you know, what we consider to be very good customer service and very good processes and really elevate them even higher. Yeah. And, and Paul, you know Leland, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. And Frank. Yep. And Frank. Yep. Very good people. The, so I have so many hang questions. On Chris, hang, I know, hang on a second, Tyler. I know it's hard yeah. for you to see across the table, but I know Tyler's about to say something. I, I was just going to say one one point into what Travis is saying is the reason why that transition went so well is because we were building that lifestyle type business where we didn't have to be involved in every single decision that happened. And so even prior to sitting down, you know, with Brian back in June, we, we had already gotten to the point where a lot of our decision-making practices were, you know, what are we going to do that's new? Everything that's existing is already being handled by management. So, you know, right now, while Travis and I aren't in every single meeting, our, you know, general manager, our, you know, purchasing manager, our shop manager, our marketing manager, all these people are in two or three meetings a week. And it's, it's just, it's a really nice process because we just get to be there we're running culture, you know, we're running, you know, ideas through the business, but we're not running the day-to-day operations. Right. And and that was the intent. Well, almost, it seems like it kind of forced you guys to delegate more um, and it gave you guys some freedom because there was that work-life balance and it kind of subsequently worked out for you that you were doing those things and like it kind of panned, panned out. Paul, um, real quick before you ask your question. So for anybody that's listening who's wondering who the hell Brian is, um, just reach out to the podcast and we'll connect you with Brian. Brian's been on the podcast before along with uh, Fred from SFNP, but we'll make the connection for you. Uh, Brian's a good friend of mine uh, as well. Um, but I want to say this, Frank DeMarco, that's at Service Champions, and you and I talked a little bit about this. Is Paul, it's actually kind of how, before you and I met, that was our connection. Mm-hmm. You remember that? It is. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of how I landed here. I mean, in a weird way. It is, right. right. Yeah, because yeah. he was the... And, um, Tyler, I don't know if you knew this or not, but so Frank 
we actually, before I knew Paul, um, I got pulled into a conversion dealer meeting up in, De- up in Denver, Colorado. He was working for a company up there, big, big outfit up there. Um, and so he was the GM. And Frank and I flew into Denver. He and I met. And then we had this huge plan to try and do like 2 million organic growth, like from what we were doing at Rhino. So just straight right out on replacement and service installs and then obviously plumbing. And we crushed it. So he and I like had an instant bond. And then when he left, he went to California. And then I think he's done some stuff at California. He ended up a service champion. So he and I got to reconnect because of this, which was really cool. So he's going to come on the podcast. I'm super excited about that to go down memory lane with him. So mm-hmm. Paul, I'll let you go ahead and hop in, brother. Sorry to steal your thunder, man. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Well, I have so many questions around 2019 and getting your profit squared away, but you said a term that's not come up on our um, podcast before, and I want to go a little deeper on what is a lifestyle business? It sounds like a very millennial term. Tell me more about that. <laughs> a business that works for you, not you working for it. I mean, essentially, yep. you know, building out the right people, putting them in the right position. So you're not wearing every single or every other hat in the company. Um, you know, our, our door in our office says janitor's closet. So, you know, yeah. we, we try to make it to where it, it, you know, we're, we're, we're steering the ship, but we're not, you know, every single component of it. Not the when boilers. did you let the reins go on that? And when did you decide, was that like, much earlier in before the uh, acquisition conversation? Well, it's a long process. So it, it, yeah. it, it requires, you know, if you're starting it from scratch, I would build out, you know, what your management structure is going to look like your org chart so that you can build to that looking, you know, in hindsight, because that's not how we did it. We did it like we absolutely need help on this right now. We need to find this person doing it over again. I would be looking at like, this is, these are the roles that we need to find. We need to fill, you know, flesh this out. And then we would then be able to, to build into it. But rather than doing it that way, the way we did it is, Hey, we need this person cause I can't keep doing this. So we would find that person and it, it worked out that we got to the point where each individual trade that we did plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical, um, they, we had all of our service managers in place. We had a general manager in place. We had a marketing manager in place we had a, uh, a customer service manager in place. And when all that, you know, kind of coalesced, their, it, the, the synergy just grew because they were already good people. They already respected each other. And then we were able to start turning that, that you know, the reins over to them at that point. And that's when it really all came together, end of 2019 and to 2020. But, but I'd say it became a goal. Like that was a strategic goal for Tyler and I for 2020. So it just coincided nicely with, when we go to market and they're like, well, what are you guys doing? We're like, well, not that much. And then it made it more appealing that we had a general manager and middle level management that was used to and comfortable running the day-to-day business without, you know, constantly knocking on our door and asking our opinion on things. You know, they, they, they had the, the reins, as you say, to make decisions on their own. And that, that's where the valuations, you know, really begin to, you know, kind of push that upper limit of, of what you can get. That comes when, cause a lot of times you'll see owners, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll sell, or at least this is what I've seen. They'll sell and they're gone, you know, and, and then, you know, they got that go F you money and, and they, they do, they do just that. Um, well, you know, the, these equity groups are wise to that, that the, the companies like service champions who are, you know, the, the head of the, the organization, you know, they know that to be the case. So when you have that structure in place, it adds those multiples to that bottom line. So you were a little more uh, proactive in hiring in probably 2018, 2019 than Travis, right? Like you like to hire before you needed the positions. That's why I understand. Was that heavy on the PL? Is that something you had to overcome as you transitioned to this over the years? Yeah. So we, we've, well, 
I would say that I'm, I have always been the one to hire the person and find them the spot versus having the spot and hiring the person. Um, if some, ta- you know, if talent walks into your office and you turn that away in this labor scarce, talent scarce market, you're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was absolutely a component to our lesser profit in the years leading up to 2020, which we had, a, you know, a, a great year. We added 10% to the bottom line. Um, we've always been profitable, but um, when we when we had all those guys in place and they weren't training anymore, they weren't learning to fill those shoes, it really did, you know, that's, again, that synergy that starts to happen. So I want to um, jump into this. Uh, and I want to talk about some operational type of things, too, and we're going to hit on a couple topics in here, too, and so I'm going to go a little bit out of uh, place, but I appreciate um, – you guys sending me some notes ahead of time too, just on some specific things because it helps at least give me an idea of uh, how to lead into each one. Um, but I want to talk KPIs <clears throat> first and foremost. Customer service, I believe, is has got to be number one. I'm 100% a believer of no matter what, that's got to be on point. Um, you guys have certainly got that figured out with, you know, 4,200, almost 4,300 five-star rating. Like you got that squared away. Um, and it's legit. Like those are legit ratings and reviews. I'm going to hit on that for a second. But first I want to talk about KPIs and thank you for uh, being transparent enough to say like, you know, having KPIs is like in a business like ours is certainly critical, um, but it's how you can measure success. Um, I think it's how you can um, fair, be fair about how you measure success in someone's, but you got to have them in place to be able to track how you're, you know, how the business is, is going the direction it's in and they have to continue to change as you grow. So I want to hit on this for a second with you guys. So let's talk KPIs. Now, you don't have, you're not tracking daily KPIs. So you weren't at one point, maybe you are today. But here's where I'm going to go with this is you guys know I've had other people on this podcast before and that is like their thing is they're tracking KPIs. Come in in the morning, they're looking at in the afternoon, they're looking at in the evening. Um, What is, now what do you, what's your guys' take on KPIs or what do you guys do then to help track and measure well, I think KPIs are really important. Um, but yeah, we, we don't track KPIs right now. I mean, it's one of the things that I wish we did a lot better that we're looking forward to the partnership helping us with, with service champions. But uh, there's a couple components to it. A, your data has to be accurate. And if you're not looking at accurate data, I mean, you can talk to all these different owners. They'll all give you different numbers. But we're all talking about totally different things. They're, they're not they're not measured the same, even when it comes down to gross profit and what you keep above the line versus below the line. Um, unless you have the exact same setup, you can't really talk educatedly to each other about it. Apples um, to apples, right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Tyler and I, look, we would get our profit and loss each month. And that, hey, if there was money, we made money on the bottom line. We were happy as long as our customers were happy. We got good reviews and we, we, you know, the consumer sentiment towards us was that like, hey, these are good guys. This is our go-to company. And our uh, morale in the company was good. So we really based it more off of, uh, I guess, our feelings of how it was going because of how we're pretty firm believers that if our our, our, uh, team members are happy, that our customers will be happy. And, and so uh, that was kind of always what we used to, to judge where we are at is we made money, customers are happy, team's happy, we're doing good. Um, but going more, you know, you know, that's also cost us in a lot of places sure. that we could have, um, you know, created efficiencies or, or, you know, trimmed fat, things of that nature. And, you know, we, we, one of the exercises we did just on insurance, we saved, you know, six figures. Um, be, as we started to look at our cost in comparison to others. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, th- I think they're important. I mean, obviously you're not tracking insurance day to day, but you know, as you can get into to those sales metrics and stuff, um, I think it definitely could have optimized our company, taken it to another level, uh, but that's not what got us here. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's what's uh, crazy about that is you still got to where you guys got without doing that much. Like we are data nerds here, right? So we're tracking everything because there, it is very much more, it's a different type of deal, but it's measures, everything's measurable. Um, but if you could have, I still 100% am on board with you on customer service, employee satisfaction, employees, you know, you take care of your employees, they take care of the customers and, and things will go really, really well. I'm a huge fan of that. If now that you'll be able to apply both, um, imagine how exceptional this thing can actually be that second bite should be pretty sweet. Um, implementing the two things together. 
Yeah, I think that you have to run them like that, though. You have to have both of them. If you have a team that's run entirely on KPIs, it probably doesn't have very much culture going on. Um, you know, it, it, you're probably rewarding uh, sometimes the technicians that, that, you know, maybe hit the highest numbers but have the least, you know, customer satisfaction. Like, it's hard to judge that, you know, just simply with reviews and just simply with, like, thumbs up, thumbs down rating. Like, that. sometimes there's intangibles there that you can't really feel or see without actually being in the mix of your team and, and kind of knowing the, you know, that feel, feeling the pulse of the company, which is how we ran it. Is it, it was a lot of feeling. On the other hand, without the without the KPIs, like Travis said, there's definitely you know marks where we missed inefficiency. There's marks where we could have uh, you know foresaw a hiring issue and needed to hire sooner rather than yep. you know hiring later. And that's that's all stuff that we're starting to get you know geared up on now. Like. We, we have air or furnace tune-ups booked into February. And then right after that, we've got air conditioning tune-ups booked into June. And it's because, you know, we're just realizing how fast our um, service agreement business is growing. And now that we see that, we're, we're, we're using that to, to, you know, forecast our, our technician, you know, need. And we just didn't used to do that. Paul, I guess I'm... Yeah, when I'm curious about the the process of the broker helping you kind of evaluate your business, were there any insecurities around like what they would find out when they came in and really popped the hood and take a look at how you guys have built this thing from, you know, you guys in a truck to where it is now? I I mean, there's always I think everyone's always a little hesitant to let anyone peek behind the curtain, right. but um look we, we have no skeletons in the closet. I mean, we weren't worried about that, but at the same time, you know, we were very fortunate that, you know, Tyler's wife ran our books from day one because she had some experience in that, but she's certainly not a CPA. You know, we had things in our books that weren't gap compliant. Um, and so, you know, what I would say to that is I, I wasn't as worried about the brokerage as I was potential buyers looking at those things. The one thing I'll definitely give SFMP uh, their team credit on is that uh, they've got a guy there, Darcy, and I, I grew to just love the guy because he did quality of earnings basically for us. And he went through our books because he used to be on the purchase side and knew exactly what the purchasers would be looking at in our books. And he built out scenarios for all of them. And so when a buyer would come in and say, hey, you know, you guys aren't doing your accruals correctly on this. He'd be like, oh, you're right. That's, it's actually, if you look in the data room, we've already built out the scenario for that. It explains everything. And you're not going to get that with a regular broker. I, I mean, right. it was like, they were such a support system for us, not knowing what the process would be. Um, and then, you know, answering questions for us. They're on every call and every meeting. Uh, and if Darcy knew kind of the limits of what we knew, and he would know if we couldn't answer that question and he would jump and say, Hey, you know what? Let me answer that question for them. This is what's going on. Um, and so that, that was really cool. Um, and I was, once I met Darcy and we went through everything, I was a lot more comfortable getting on any call with anybody that we could hold our own. So. Yeah. And, and I would say that looking back, if you weren't going to market with a broker that had, you know, that sophisticated, you know, uh, side, I would be terrified to let people look. Sure. And, and so that, you know, had, had I gone to market and, and represented myself um, or, or had someone who was just a traditional business broker that wasn't, you know, really trade specific, we would have, we would have easily taken four turns off the table. So I, I, I mean, their, their fee and everything that goes along with it is, I mean, it's not a value. It's it's free money. So I don't know why you wouldn't take it. Yeah. Now, from what I understand, you guys doubled your net profit from 2019 to 2020. Is that about accurate? Uh, a little, a little more than double. Yeah, we we were at about seven and a half percent when we ended yep. uh, 2019, and and we did yeah right at about 17 for uh, 16 and a half for. Uh, or 2019, 2020, we did like 16 and a half. So nice. So when you look back on that, what were the main levers that had the most impact? I mean, obviously you're shopping and saving and cutting expenses, but what were the levers that really made things move so quickly for you? Well, like I said, we, we had to do an exercise in pricing. 
Um, yeah. You know, we are in a very small area uh, where, where our business is based. And we had to kind of get outside of that area and see that, you know, we were a larger company than all of our local plumbing and air conditioning companies combined. We are larger than that. And so we just had different, you know, and we were trying to compete on price with, you know, companies who are friends of ours, great companies, but, you know, frankly, they're working out of their garage and they have a different overhead structure than we do. Right. Um, but we also knew that we provided far more value than some of them, you know, are just down to availability of a technician to get out right away. Um, the quality of our, our uh, both plumbing and air conditioning installs, or, you know, they're, they're pretty postcard worthy. Um, so we had to do that exercise and realize, you know, and almost roll the dice and say, hey, this is what it costs to run our business if we want, you know, a 15% net profit. And uh, that's what we priced it for. And fortunately, we got some efficiencies out of it, too. And uh, with those efficiencies, we, we, we brought it up even a little bit more. Um, but the, the, big, the biggest takeaway what, from it, because I'm a very, you know, anxiety-ridden person, and Tyler's not so much, and he's just, Tyler went in one day and just adjusted the pricing. He's like, yeah. it is what it no is. Like, consequence. Yeah, we, we can't go out of business, and, and the, our customers love us, so, you know, we may lose some, but we have to understand that it's, it's something we have to do if we want the business to be able to grow and our team to be able to be taken care of. You know, we never changed our pricing after we had 401ks, you know, additional vacation days, uh, insurance benefits. Like we were still running the same pricing as when we were, when we were working out of a garage. Um, so yeah, it, we did that and gained some efficiencies. And you know what? I, I would say that we actually have a better customer base now, a more loyal customer base, uh, signing up for memberships like crazy people like the work that we're doing. And so I think overall it was actually uh, better for us in, in the long run, better for our customers. There's never a hesitation now. If there's a warranty issue, it, it's our issue. We're taking care of it. They never have to second guess it. I, I wish our listeners could see Tyler's body language as Travis was talking about going in and like doing a, you know an instant price increase. He didn't move. He was stone cold like, yeah, that's what I did. I raised all the price, doubled our profit. Yeah, so. Uh um, talk to me about when you did raise the price. One, were there unintended? Obviously, there was positive unintended consequences. Um, but what was that like on your staff, on your um, on your technicians, on your sales guys? Like, how did they respond to that? I I would say it was a relief. Um, I think for so long, you know, we preached this like high quality customer service first. You know, all of that was driven into them every, at every single meeting. In fact, my my brothers. Uh, uh, can stories that what do I talk about when we have a company meeting and, and everyone looks around and, and like, customer service. That's all I talk about. I don't talk about, you know, product. I don't talk about, you know, issues. I talk about customer service. So that, that, that is, so, so to go back to the price increase. So the, uh, the technicians, they, they were thrilled. They knew that they were delivering a higher value, higher quality product to the customer than what we were charging for. And, you know, some of that was from guys who came from other companies. Some of that was just, you know, customers over and over again have told us, oh, that's it? Oh, that's the installed price? Oh, okay. Well, when you get that, and then if you go through and read our Google reviews, great value, great value, great value, great value. I mean, every single one of them. Now we get a lot of great value still and, 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 you know, fantastic price, which, you know, we're happy with that. We want to be a good value. That's, that's important to us mm-hmm. um, at our core, but you know, it used to be, they were the cheapest out of 17 bids and that's yeah. not good. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> right. We want to be the best value, not the cheapest. Right. So sure yeah. the bottom line. Um, and yeah, like Tyler said, I think the, the, the team overall, especially the sales team, they, they really, it was almost offensive to them, the quality of work we did versus what they charged for it. They just were like, over and over again, they'd say, this isn't enough. You know, we're closing too high of a percentage and like there's room to move these prices and, and even customers are telling us that. And so, yeah. um, yeah, there, there wasn't really unintended consequences. I mean, here or there you get, you know, you're always going to get the, Oh, you know, three years ago it was this price when you did similar work. Right. And it's like, well, it was, um, but anyone who is, uh, you know, in this business can attest. And we all say the same thing that they, they weren't our customer at that point, you know, right. If they were just wanting the cheapest price, then we're not no longer a good fit. Even if we were at one time. Right. I, uh, you guys, so I'll brag on you for a minute. Um, for the listeners, I reached out to these guys to take care of my wife's mother, um, her place. And, um, I don't remember what it was, but we were going to do a change out. And then I decided that 
we're going to sell this place. And so we were going to make it, they had to order a part or something. So you couldn't fix it right then that day. But the cool thing was, is a technician goes to wherever and picks up a couple of heaters. Cause even though we're in Phoenix, Arizona, it was cold. It was like getting cold at night. So um, they went and picked up a couple of heaters and then dropped them off there. So that way that she had something and those little things, like I could have went and done it. She could have went and done it, but your guy did it. Like that's the little things I think um, speak to the quality of service that, you know, people will. And I, I made this mistake early on when I started this company is I thought I had to be the cheapest to get the job and I wasn't valuing the actual service as much. So I was doing all this work for like such a thin margin. I think that's probably a pretty common mistake though, is you yep. come to market and want to be the least expensive to get my, increase the close ratio. My, my famous words to all, all the guys, you know, that are new into the business and asking for advice is, you know, the, 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 everyone wants to go cheap to try to steal the market. And I always say price for where you're going, not where you're at price that you're going to have a 401k and benefits and a beautiful shop with a ping pong table and free lunch, you know, like that's what people want if they want to come on your team now. And so make sure you price for that because if you gain your whole client base being the cheapest guy, it's just a headache down the road. You know, I would rather win customers on fantastic service and, and great value um, and do a slower growth than, you know, work my way to the top on volume with no profit and no, no ability to hire or train anyone. Agree. Best customer service we ever provided were when my brother and I would show up at their house together in one truck. That was that should have been the most expensive service we provided, but we like everybody who starts out in this industry gets it backwards. They they think like, oh, I'm small. No, you're 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 boutique. You know, you're expensive. Then you're not cheap. You got to deal directly with the owner. I mean, if there's a problem, <laughs> you can call me, and I'm going to answer the phone and come out and fix it. So that that's something that uh, I, I think is it, it's it'll be rewarding for them. And I, I, I we've actually one of the reasons why we got into this conversation of going into a sale is because we see that it's going to get harder and harder and harder to compete against companies who are investing in all this technology to increase their efficiencies, to provide better levels of service. If you're going to start up a company, it may not scale fast. So you better make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, which means that you are providing a premium service and you're doing it yourself and make sure that you're doing it in a way that that is profitable. Don't don't sit there and try to grow a forty truck company on on no dollars and cents. So we we have a great friend up in the North Valley. You know he works six months a year, and his books have always been better than us. And as a percentage goes, of course. And, and yeah, he he lives a great life. And yeah, you know some guys will brag about twenty to thirty percent net profit, and he he can almost double them. <laughs> But, you know, he, he, he emulates a lot of like uh, he, you know, we have transparent online pricing and he's one of those guys that said, hey, thanks for putting that up there. It made me realize that I have a lot of room to move my pricing up. Um, yeah. And he, he agrees with what Tyler said. He's like, look, I, I, I'm the owner. I'm selling them the job. I'm going to be on the job. They, they I deserve every dollar that you guys would get for it. You're not on the jobs. Um, so, you know, I, and I agree with them. I think he's smart doing that. And it enables him to have, you know, a lifestyle business. So let's talk about this real quick. I don't want to let that go. I don't want the listeners thinking like, yeah, you shouldn't have shared your prices online. You did that. That's if you're thinking that I'm here to tell you, and we've, and we've preached this before. I am a fan of sharing price online. Why? Because every time we've done it with a customer of ours, no matter where you're at in the United States, America, Canada, doesn't matter. You gained far more. I believe based on the data I've seen that you gained far more then you lose by sharing your price. Because if somebody calls you and says, hey, man, what's my cost? I got to send somebody out there to build. If you don't even give a ballpark, how much did you lose? You don't even know how much you lost because some people now, especially because speed is an absolute necessity, that's why cell phones have, like, really taken off is people don't even want to talk to you. Like, they wanted to see what, like, let me see what's on here. And then I'm like, you guys, I remember um, I made a critical mistake a few years back you guys sent out a direct mail piece with uh, with water softeners on it, like a water softener offer. Um, and I was going to the gym right next to the other guy, and so Anna's like, "Hey, let's just do let's just do this uh, pro skill." Well, I get, I can't remember what it was, but like I never had to fill the water softener or something like that again. I can't remember what the heck it was. Anyway, it's some sort of offer you guys put out that I didn't choose, like three years ago. 
I still hear about today. So when Prosco comes up, she reminds me that I still chose the other guy, and I realized I made a bad decision because I went on price, and it actually has been a pain in the ass. <laughs> so, well, well, and, and I, I think <laughs> that decision. I think that to talk about that, if you're going to put a price out there, don't put a low price out, and don't put a high price out. Put a price that has a defined scope of work that you can stand behind at that price. That's that's really the key because, you know, people have been putting out prices forever. It, but what does that come with? So when, the way we like to differentiate ourselves is we're not only going to give you a price, we're going to educate you on why that price is, you know, fair. And that's going to be based upon a scope of work. And if, and if you compare apples to apples with this scope of work, with this equipment, and with, you know, a company that's of an equal uh, reputation, we're going to be very similar in price or we're going to be a better price. So, so it's not that price isn't because, you know, people can say all day long, oh, well, if you're not closing, it's because you're not selling the value. But consumers have a limit. They're, like at some point they, they see and they're going to get those multiple estimates. And, you know, price does come into it. No matter how much they want to use you, we've had good customers not use us because they wanted a lower price and we wouldn't move. Five, five plus year customers that were members. Um, so... But uh, what, what I would say about online pricing is, you know, how, what would you pay for trust? Because that's basically what you're getting, that you get instant trust from consumers, even if they don't use you, that says, well, they're obviously pretty honest. I mean, look at their reputation and they put their price right here so I can see it. So we, we, the price that we put on our website is the price they paid. You know, luckily we have a lot of kind of cookie cutter installs sure, that are very right. similar, but... There's some areas we don't, but as Tyler said, there it's a predefined scope of work, and it says right on there, if it's outside of this scope of work, such as you know, upsizing, ducting, you know, all the different things that can come into it, then there's additional charge. But based on this scope, this is your price. Got it. And it's always worked well for us. And you know what? When uh, it gets on Nextdoor or Facebook, and someone says, "Hey, I want to get a price on a new air conditioner." You know, we get a lot of shout outs of, hey, why don't you just jump on ProSkills website? They have all their pricing right there. And then we get the, you know, 70 other people that we did installs for. It said, yeah, it was the same price as they said on their website. They did a great job. Very happy with their, you know, tra new train unit. Right. <laughs> Look at you slipping that in there. Kyle, edit that out. Kidding. We do not have <laughs> advertisers on this program. Um, so outside of the P&L, what do you think the other drivers were that drove your valuation and drove all the offers you were getting that maybe can't be measured? Ooh, reputation. I'm it's definitely, definitely uh, people, everyone we had a management meeting with was very interested in the reputation and the process we used to get it. Um, like, like Tyler had mentioned the, the middle level management team being fully bought in um, to, to the vision uh, was key uh, give a shout out to our boy, Evan, who is 18 or 19, recently graduated high school, started with us when he was, uh, just graduating. And, uh, our shop is immaculate and, uh, everything's barcoded and it has a place and we don't sit on, you know, slow, move, slow moving or unused inventory. So, you know, people would walk through the shop and always comment on, man, this is a really clean, organized shop. So, I think, I think just the whole process and then, you know, market does play a role. Um, and luckily Phoenix is, is a great market to be in. So um, I would say one of the things that was of interest or of note was because we were a very strongly reputation based growth company, we grew 30% year over year um, for 11 years. I think one year we grew 64%. Um, the uh, we did it with a, like a three, three or four percent uh, marketing budget, so we didn't spend a lot of money to grow fast. We grew fast, and it was all growth through referral, um, which I think you know, I, I think that that's pretty clearly highly valuable. Yep, it's the least expensive and the hardest. Yep, that, that's right. That There's was no way the, to fake it. That's what we were good at because we didn't like to spend money. <laughs> Still don't. <laughs> I, I, I drove my, uh, my 2012, uh, Tahoe here, which is, is my daily driver and it's got 140,000 uh, miles on it. And I, uh, I will continue to drive that. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can afford the 2021, right? Yeah, I, I could, I could, my wife's got a nice car. I, I just, and take that thing to 300,000 miles. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
You're probably pulling a half a million dollar boat with it, but that's okay. <laughs> we don't talk I'm about joking. the boat. <laughs> this is not a time to talk about boats. I think it is. Actually, you guys brought something up. I want to talk about it. Um, and I'm curious, actually, in your conversations, um, one, it's cool that you had that many people throwing out, you know, or wanting to get involved in the potential purchase. That, like, that's got to feel really good, first off. Um, but I... I, you guys have visited a lot of companies along the way too, right? Mm-hmm. So not everybody has everything figured out, right? Like nobody's got it all put together. There's people that might be super close, but nobody's got it all put together, right? That, that's, uh, you realize that real quick. I mean, you can listen to people, you know, on groups and you, you look at them and kind of almost with, with a, an affinity of like, man, I wish I had it all put together like that guy. And then you realize like, you might already have more put together than that guy. People right. people love to talk about their strengths, but not their weaknesses. Of course. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that was eye-opening eye to us, I think, through the process. It's like, hey, you know what? We actually built a good little business we should be proud of um, because while we don't track daily KPIs and we don't have a 20-plus percent net profit like many of the leaders do, um, we have a better reputation. We have better culture. We have happier employees. And so, you know, you that, like I said, through the process, you really learn. We learned a lot about our business, and um, yeah. Well, and, and I think that that goes like, like now that we're you know talking mergers and acquisitions a lot, um, it's very interesting to see all the guys that 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 we always thought, oh man, they they they're so much bigger than we are, and like they've got everything figured out, and it's just like. No, we ended up being bigger, you know, like we just didn't, we didn't even know. It's just your perception is so um, critical of yourself uh, yes. that, that sometimes you really need to, uh, well, take a step back and look at the business that you've built yeah. because it's probably far more valuable than what you give it credit for. I would give you that advice, Mr. Yano. <laughs> I don't slow down to look at that stuff. Just go. <laughs> I just go. Um, so, Paul. All right, go ahead. I'm going to give you one. I was just going to ask about what the team thought. How did, how did you make the announcement? When did you let them know? And were you like um, shocked at all or, or you know, what, what was their response like? Well, we were shocked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, kind of reason Tyler brings that up. Uh, you know, we our management team knew um, s- somewhat early in the process. I, I mean, what, when we were in the management meetings, they, they figured out real quick, why are people walking through our shop in suits and ties constantly? And why are you guys always gone all day for the last two weeks? So, <laughs> you know, we, we brought them into it and they were all very, very, uh, very proud that, you know, and, and, and very happy to see that there is so much interest in investing and growing the business. Uh, there's a lot of, they have a lot of upside, our management team. So they're, they're very excited and looking forward to it. Um, in, in the closing documents, it, it actually, there was a closing checklist and it said that we would agree on when to release it to like the general public. And, you know, we thought that uh, Leland and Frank were going to be able to come down. And unfortunately with COVID they weren't. And so the, the part, the other partner in it, the, the, you know, what, what private equity, the bank, um, they released a press release. <laughs> and none of us knew. And so we started getting calls of like, Hey, congratulations. And we're like, how do you know this? Like, well, there's a press release. And we're like, there's not one, there's like 50. Yeah, oh the, yeah. Yeah. They That's how it works. Um, so, you know, we, we called service champ and said, Hey, there was a press release. And they're like, Oh, uh, okay. Well, I was like, so when do you guys want to come down? Like we can't get out of California right now. So you guys need to call a meeting tomorrow morning because you don't want them to hear it from someone else. So, right. You know, I would say that probably kept me up the most at night. Um, really, really big stress is, you know, what is our team going to think? You know, it was very important to Tyler and I that, you know, we care about these people deeply and that we didn't want to be viewed as sellouts because we weren't. We're running the company still. Um, mm-hmm. But people and have we, such and a we invested ne- in it. Yeah. And we yeah. have a, we have a heavy investment yeah. reinvestment into it. But, you know, M&A from, you know, the earlier days had such a bad yeah. connotation to mm-hmm. it. And, yeah. and I think that's slowly changing and, you know, all I do now, I mean, for the most part, we announced it. Everyone was very happy. There's tons of potential growth for our team. For sure. Um, and so they're seeing that. Uh, they like the growth plan, and, and you know, they're, they're achievers at this point. Our team wants to succeed. So uh, there's a, there a few, you know, worries. Hey, w- what's going to happen here or there? I think that's normal. Um, you know, we, we, yeah. put, we put those fires out, you know, pretty quickly and easily. 
Um, but uh, no, no turnover. Like didn't lose anybody because of it. Um, it was it was positive, you know, through and through. So the, I think the craziest part is the rumors that go around outside of your sure. company. Um, yeah, and we've heard, <laughs> and we were prepared for it. Actually, mm-hmm. Leland told us he's like, just get ready for the rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, people have tried to snatch our people by saying that you know we've been absorbed and Tyler and Travis are walking away. That uh, people are all going to lose their jobs and they're just going to you know train all new people and. It, it, nothing, it couldn't be further from the truth, but, you know, people plant those seeds of doubt to try to try to grab, you know, you know, a valuable team that's obviously done something right to build what they've built. But, um, yeah, it, it was, it was uh, I, I worried a lot about it and it was not a big deal. I, I yeah. would say the only, the, if you're, if, if you're going to go sell your company and you're wearing all the hats, yeah, it's going to get dismantled and, and absorbed into something else. Yeah. It, if you're going to go to sell and you've got five trucks and you're you're the boss, um, it's going to be a tuck-in. So you're gonna your 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 team is going to be absorbed into the larger team. But if you're the platform or if you're the if you're the team that that has a brand and has a management structure, they are going to push into that, not push it. You know, break right. it apart. They're they're going to go. They're going to try to get this thing. Uh, you know, they're they're going to build on that structure, not tear it down. Yeah, yeah. I want to I. So I'm glad you brought up the perception of M&A. Um, I do think, for, especially from being so involved in it in so many levels the past year, um, I'm a fan. And now, obviously, there's a certain fit. That is a key ingredient on making sure it's the right fit, like culturally, whatever it is, because there's plenty of opportunity, but you got to make sure you're partnering with the right person that can get behind. Uh, we walked away from a $6 million larger offer because we knew it was bad for our team. Yeah, that's, wow. that's exceptional. Well, because it's really about if because the way you guys did it, I look at it as they're investing in your already successful business, and that that means your culture, your leadership, your processes. You guys, there's things that they clearly are like. You don't have a Leland come in and want to buy a company that's just kind of. Eh. It's not how it works. Like, but they want to invest in that because it's got so much upside, so much promise. That's great for your staff. That's opportunity for growth for your staff, for their families, for all that stuff. I look at everything so granular like that because that's how I take everything even in here. You know that about me, that I'm as personal as it gets. I like to see, you know, when people reach when people reach out to me, they're always asking me who's my opinion on which private equity firm to go to based on, like, I, what I know about their companies. Um, and I, I look at it that way. I'm like, well, I know this is what you like to do. You like to go fishing. You like to do this. You're not as engaged. Um, you don't want to change the name of your company. This is probably a better fit for you. These two better fit. And I like doing those things. But, but what I care about is there's a lot of people, human beings, that are relying on that decision to be really good, to, to move themselves forward. So I think it's gotten better. And I'm glad to hear you say that. And I'm super happy for you guys, too. And for the sake of time, I think we're about close to an hour into the into the podcast. Um, a few more things I want to hit on. Paul, do you have something you want to bring up before I go into any closing? No, I was going to ask what what it's like having a new partner now. Like, what different expectations are on you? I mean, yesterday you were on a job site, so you're just doing your thing. But is there, you know, what has changed in in that perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, that's I tell my team all the time. Where are they at? Where are they at? I, I haven't seen them. You know, um, that they uh, they trust us to run the business, and you know, we'll implement with them and and continue to be more and more involved with them as time goes on, but they're busy right now. They, they, they've acquired seven other companies in the fourth quarter, I think of last year, we're the last one and we're the furthest away. So um, the yeah. only other thing, my closing statement, cause I know, I know we're cutting short on time. Anyone that's thinking about going to market that the one thing I have to tell you is that uh, Tyler touched on, but don't go without a broker. I mean, do yourself a favor. They will more than pay for themselves. Even if it's not SFMP, which I think, you know, Yano only only does uh, industry specific marketing. They only do industry specific M and A. They know all the players and they have the internal team to get you top dollar, and made a great experience for us. But uh, as as a partner goes too, you know, make sure you choose the right partner. But make sure you hear them all out. I, I see guys taking the first offer that walks in the door, right. and not only are they leaving money on the table, but they probably could have got you know. A, a, a partner that's a better fit for their company. So make sure you go through the full process, make sure you interview all the different companies and choose the one that's best, not only for you, but for your team as well. Well said. Well said. Um, I don't know about you guys, but what I'd be interested to hear your gut on. I legit think 2021 is going to be more of the same of 2020. 
The only difference is, the only difference is, is let's hope that this tax change doesn't come get, get implemented until later on, like something I don't know. Um, if you're not, if you're not already, you know, geared up to be in an acquisition process, you're going to pay higher taxes at this point. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that you could perceive it. Like, like if you're, if you're going to build right now to sell, then it's not happening in, in the 23% uh, capital gains tax. It's yeah. been happening at 40%. So <laughs> brutal, <laughs> brutal. Yeah. Oh boy, I was having the exact same conversation with Cohen like two weeks ago. But oh my goodness gracious! But uh, listen, it's never been more important to make sure you got an advisor on your team to work your way through that because uh, if that still is on the on the table for you, and there's still going to be some valuable, like a lot of valuable offers that come through and deals that are done, even with well, and, and like Travis said earlier about you know shopping insurance, you know do the things that you're prepare to sell. You know, always be preparing to sell, but don't. You know, you pull the trigger when you get there. We saved a hundred thousand uh, dollars, a hundred six thousand dollars on our insurance thing. That that you know, even just at a ten time multiplier, it, that was a million dollar decision just to shop our insurance. So don't look at it like even if it's twenty thousand. If you're sh- talking in multiples, that's two hundred thousand. You know, so yeah. every single dollar that you can do and become more. Efficient. We, we started looking at everything as it was ten times more expensive, and it really reeled stuff in for us. Um, yeah. If there was one thing you guys could have done better with marketing, what would it have been? I could not have laid this up better for you. I want to hear it. Yeah. Come on, this you okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I can give you a. I know the answer you're looking for. I can, and, and it actually coincides nicely with ours. So we we don't feed the animals. We we uh, <laughs> we, we at, we've had a marketing person in, in house for a long time, but um. You know, choosing the right marketing partner, we, we could have exploded. Um, and we know that now looking back. So uh, I think, you know, similar to choosing the right partner to sell your business to, the right partner to that will uh, help you and, and buy in and listen to every single phone call. Uh, I, I can't put the value on when I sat in Chris's office and I sat there and saw that they listened to every phone call, short key it into the system and how much you can gain you know, if you don't sit in your your dispatch office and hear how they're dispatching calls, you'll be disappointed 100%. when you do. You will be disappointed when you do. That was a very good PC answer. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. That was on the fly good. I'm impressed. It really was. And it was true. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, Paul, any any closing remarks? You don't ask another long-winded question either because we're at the tail end of this thing. I will not. I am, I'm backing away from the mic, and I'm going to let the, the real hosts close this out. <laughs> the real hosts? <laughs> Well, guys, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for giving us your time, even though you showed up just a little bit late. Uh, we all know that this was Tyler's fault. Um, <laughs> no? Yeah, I, if I had the Lambo, you know, it would be different. But. <laughs> Could have got here faster. Yeah. Get time to upgrade. Well, <clears throat> that 2014 Toyota Tundra out there is mine, and I'm going to run that thing until it's dead. Love that thing. You know, I just got it detailed, and it feels like a brand-new truck to me. Like, you know how you know you love your vehicles when you walk away and you still turn around and look at it? Yep. I still do that. I'm like still honeymooning with my truck. I've had it for this long. Anyhow, nothing to do with this. I just drug out the ending and I apologize. Guys, I appreciate you coming in here. Again, congratulations on the success. I'm excited to see what second half of this looks like for you. Um, one, I'm grateful for our, our friendship. And uh, and I'm excited to see what's next for you boys. Um, I, I have no doubt it's going to be some exciting stuff in addition to uh, growing pro skill. And, uh, and um, yeah, man, and I'm sure we'll be able to share some of these stories on here again throughout the course of this year. Paul, I appreciate you, dude, for always asking super thoughtful questions and going off script. You're like the king of doing that. So, <laughs> and to always our listeners, yes, yeah, right, boy. To all of our listeners, thank you so much. Um, super exciting. Again, saw another cool. Uh, you know, we get this. We get this update every few weeks on where we rank uh, in the world of podcasting, whether it be in marketing, um, you know, in the United States, Canada, Australia, all over the world. And so it's really cool to see um, for a home services specific marketing and operations podcast to, I think we hit like 21, like 21 top marketing podcasts in the United States of America. Was that what it was? It was 21. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty exceptional because we're trade specific. So like that's in all of marketing. That was a pretty cool moment, but it's because of you, our listeners and because of our guests that we have on there dropping some knowledge bombs and helping our listeners move their businesses forward. That's what it's all about. So super grateful for you guys. I want to highlight one real quick from, uh, and I can't, Paul, you might remember his name. Uh, it was from D. Mullins. 
Um, and his title of his was Batman and Robin. Do you remember this one? Oh, yeah. So his review said, I really love the podcast. I have about six small business and marketing podcasts that I are, that are in a consistent rotation. But the To The Point Home Services podcast is consistently moving up on in his personal go-to. I enjoy Paul. He represents... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Get out. Sorry. Come on. It's so true. He represents strongly for all of our Robins of the world. <laughs> I'm your Batman, bro. You're the Robin. Oh, I, I'm very this aware so of which good. one I am in that relationship. So I'm just picking my tight <laughs> pants and my subservient attitude. And It actually yeah. goes well with all your cycling gear. So um, that's probably <laughs> where. Right, actually. Yeah. So it works out great. But uh, anyhow, appreciate you for that review, uh, D. Mullions. And, uh, and listen, we're always so grateful for the kind words. I had a lot of people reach out to me. Um, this past week from our previous episode that was on with, uh, Keith Mercurio, um, I just met him recently and, uh, and, but I learned how much crossover we had. That dude's a stud. Smart, yeah. smart. And very, uh, he's the epitome of what I want to be as a human. Yeah. He's, uh, much. he's a good dude. I tried to call him humble like five times and he's like, I'm not humble. <laughs> he's like disagreed with me. I'm like, yeah, you're humble. But uh, anyhow, we love hearing all your feedback. So please do it more and please Leave us more reviews and and share this stuff and subscribe. Actually, the beginning of this year, podcast land has like blown up. So we're seeing a monster number of downloads coming through. It's so cool. It feels so good to do those things. So you guys are going to be heard by tens of thousands of people. So listen, if you like to uh, leave a review, you can actually go to the um, to our website. Go to the Apple Podcast page and leave a review there. Um, you know. Again, the feedback means so much to us. It actually vindicates uh, why we do this whole thing in the first place. So we appreciate you so much. Until the next time, we'll see you later.